I'm Luke Young, and this is Dragonheart. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Dragonheart. I am joined with our usual guest, Mark Griffiths. I am your host, Bill Long. But we have two special guests with us today, uh, Chelsea and Nicola, who have come representing her game to Cymru after a, a special announcement today. Um, Nicola, would you like to to give us a bit of a, a, a rundown of what uh, the announcement was? Yeah, so really exciting announcement. Um, her game to Cymru have partnered with Wrexham. Um, so myself, Chelsea, as ambassador, myself as advocate, kind of be in the Her Game 2 um, voice, I suppose, within Wrexham, supporting, partnering with the club and getting other kind of work out there to make football for everybody and make it a safe place for women to, to go and watch and get involved in football. Oh, that's that's brilliant. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll go into a little bit more depth about that and uh, a few couple of, couple of games to talk about, isn't there as well, Mark? Yeah. Uh, yeah, just a bit. Two two men's, one women's. We got a good mixture. Um, <laughs> um, and then I can maybe. Well, I just hope I don't hiccup tonight because uh, there's the Mansfield podcast, and just couldn't stop hiccuping. I had to <laughs> abandon it. I have put it out there because I just thought it's just pleasingly stupid. Just seeing me trying to talk about wing backs while hiccuping and control. I do abandon it and do it again when the hiccups are stopped. But yeah, yeah, I'm just hoping I can not hiccup belch or whatever during this broadcast and it'll all go fine. I'm sure I'm, just, man. <laughs> I'm sure it'll just add to the, the flavour of the whole podcast, Mark. Yeah. Uh true enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's get into a bit more detail then. So for, for the everybody who, who doesn't really know Chelsea, could you go into a little bit more detail of what her game two is? I I, I feel like I'm fairly familiar, but I'd be um I'd be lying if I said I was really knowledgeable about it. Yeah, sure. So Her Game 2 and Her Game 2 Cymru, um, we're a group of female f- supporters who are passionate about football and also working um, to eradicate sexism within the football industry. So not only do we focus on the women's game, we also focus on um, staff members that are women and also us as fans. Um, so we just want women and girls of all ages to feel confident and safe sharing their opinion and attending football games, even playing and working in football. So that is our our main achievement there. So we just um, like to collaborate with clubs, um, supporters, organisations and stuff like that to um, raise awareness and foster a dialogue about inclusivity within football. Yeah, it's... it's um, do, do you know what? It's... I've had a bit of a, an unusual, maybe the wrong word, but it was unusual for the time sort of football and upbringing where it was my auntie that took me to all the games. And it wasn't really until I was a bit older that I actually noticed the sexism because it was just normal for me to go with with my auntie and, and then a bit later, my mum. This is going to sound like a daft question, but is it something that, that you've faced at the football, Nicola? Are there any examples of where uh, you've been made to feel uncomfortable I think um, I personally feel quite lucky where I sit in the match. I sit surrounded by men, um, but because I've sat with the same people for like 20 years, I've garnered their respect and kind of thing. But Mm. you hear it quite a lot. It's the insults that come from the supporters to the players and when they're like female-based. So, oh, you're such a girl or you've, you know, like if if a player Mm. dead, 
have like a ponytail it's like oh you're such a and it's those kind of things and um the biggest one for me and it's the one that I do try and call out because I hear it quite often is when a if, if you've got a female official and if they're not having the best game it's put down to their gender as opposed to maybe they're just not having the best game kind of thing mm. so they're you know it's and it's and then online I think I don't think there's any female that's there to put an opinion online about football and hasn't had something back about name five players or tell me the offside rule <laughs> yeah well it's it is it is embarrassing Mark it's and it's embarrassing it's... that anybody's reaction is that um in many ways it's sad that you have to do this and try and point it out but you know, although it is mind-blowing, but it's just ludicrous, isn't it? I mean, look at that reaction when the American fan got, remember, got the tickets? And yeah. she got huge grief. Now, okay, part of it is from some people who are maybe thinking, oh, why should an American fan get my ticket? All right. But I, I don't think the majority of it was that at all. And and it's just, it's just embarrassing to see people so keen to be so vitriolic, especially when they're hidden behind a, a laptop. Um, it's it's absolutely I don't know it's appalling. That's not a question. It's just it's just an angry <laughs> outburst, yeah. you know, because it's just so dumb, isn't it? Well, it, it's 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 one of those things that you know, like that the whole name five players or what's the offside rule and all that sort of nonsense. Like going back to like what I was saying about my mum and my auntie, maybe they shielded me a little bit from it. But I remember them coming back from Wales games when I was a little bit older and they'd be like, oh yeah, we we went to the pub and these lads from Cardiff were like, oh, you're not really Wales fans. You're just jumping on the, the bandwagon because Wales are doing well at the moment. And like my mum my had had a, you know, like one of the, the, the season tickets for like 10 years or something at that point. It's like, all right, okay. Just because just it's a woman, it's jumping on the bandwagon. Never mind Bob from down the road who... He was supporting England two years ago. Now supports Wales. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, f- funny one. I mean, what then? Uh, uh, her game to what's like the the what are you actively doing then? Trying to sort of promote um, anti sexism in football. So I think the main thing is we have a report form on the Her Game 2 website. So anyone can access that, report any type of sexism. Um, and then we work with leagues, so the EFL, the Adran Premier, we work with leagues and clubs specifically to um, eradicate that, investigate all the reports and um, just provide support to those that have been um, subjected to the sexism. But our main thing is just raising, um, raising awareness of women are in football and that's it you're going to have to get used to it whether it's staff players and fans it's just raising that um awareness of we're there we don't we're not different to anybody else you know just because we're a different gender so um we do um dedicated fixtures with clubs and stuff like that just trying to get her game two's name out there just so people know that we're there and and that we are doing work behind the scenes to eradicate this it's um I mean Bill and I are both fortunate enough fortunate enough to be teachers. Um my perspective, certainly where I am, is that there's all I've been there 31 years, so I've got quite a long perspective. There've always been girls who are interested in football, but maybe that like you say about making a safe place, their braveness and being able to talk about it in front of the lads wasn't there. Um uh, and uh, but now I feel like it is 
you know, it feels much more normal at their age that, and, and I'm including the lads into this, they don't have an issue with whether they're talking to a uh, boy or a girl about football. They're just talking about football. And I guess we've got to hope that as their generation grows up, it becomes more and more just a norm and just not an issue at all, I guess. Definitely. I think when I was at school, this is like 20 years ago now, like a gateway into football for women just didn't just didn't exist. Mm. It was a thing. Like I used to train with my dad's like youth football team, but I couldn't play the games with them because I was over 12. Mm. So just there was no way for me to get into football at all. Um, so boys didn't see girls play football as, as necessarily. And I think it's just such a bigger thing now. I think things like the World Cup with the Lionesses, I think the Welsh national team, they're kind of gaining ground. Um, the documentary, you know, last night's episode was fantastic. And I think seeing that on the, in the mainstream, that makes a massive difference. It's weird, isn't it? Because, like you said, the lionesses are such a massive, I think, driving force and, and forcing people to see things differently. I, when I say that, I don't just mean giving girls confidence, but I also think making men finally accept that women's football is a legitimate thing. Um, and yes, ironically, we want to use them, but on the other hand, we're Welsh and we're supposed to hate England, and therefore it's, a, it's, it's an odd dichotomy, that isn't it? Yeah. They are our allies massively, but we have to be careful, maybe, that some Wrexham fans won't say, Why are we saying good things about England? <laughs> yeah, so I should probably mention there as well Her Game 2, um, we raise money, so obviously we're a non profit charity. Um, so that money that we raise from the merchandise, you'll see Nick's hoodie that she's wearing now. Um, all that money that we raise, we put it into grassroots all around England and Wales. So um, I'm not sure if you've seen recently, but I attended a Brickfield tournament in the summer and it was just all the girls, all different ages. And we um, gave them trophies and medals with her game two on them. So it's not even just people that are already in football. It's getting those people in the grassroots to attend games and even play the sport. It's, it's great to have role models. I think yeah. as well, isn't it? Um, my, I have a prejudicial attitude towards the female officials. I generally find them better than the men, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, and anyone who tries to use gender to complain, hell's bells. I mean, haven't we seen enough terrible male referees lately <laughs> to be able to see that that's not the factor? But anyway. <laughs> um, and then you got people, that, you know, Gemma Bamford being the physio, things like that. You know, maybe wasn't so long ago that a female physio would be getting grief from the other side's fans. Don't think that's quite as bad as it was, not saying it's gone away. So it's great to have those sort of role models, but then you have, as you mentioned, the women's team. And 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 there's a bit of me thinks that, you know, beyond the burst forwards of interest in the English women's team, in, in a lot of ways, Wrexham's women's team is doing that job in Wales. It must be brilliant, the thought of being able to work with them. It's amazing. I remember going to watch, um, I go went down to watch them in Rose last season and just to see at the end of the game, the girls lining up to get autographs and photos and they really looked up to them as someone like, well, you can play football for Wrexham. Well, then I, I love Wrexham and I can do it as well. And then, you know, like Rosie, um, Lily, you know, those on the documentary last night, it's, it's that whole thing of like, if you can see it, you can be it. And they can see people, girls that can play for, for, for Wrexham. So, you know, the younger girls, they're like, well, I can do the same. Yeah. 
at, at Ponky, I thought there was a real atmosphere of, um, like I say, aspirational atmosphere. Uh, there was, there would always be, there'd be, there'd be loads of girls in their Wrexham tracksuits, and there'd often be little, little impromptu breakout games near the side of the pitch, maybe at half time, and and a real sense of, like you say, that it's not just that you can aspire to be those players; it's that they're they're local players, so it feels real. And being so close to the, the ground, because it's, you know, obviously Ponky's not a stadium, gives them that opportunity to really feel like, right, this is, I know it sounds daft, but this is real. This isn't me separated by, you know, sort of 2,000 people in the crowd in front of me. This is real, and these are real people, and I can do that. And and I, th- I find it much more sort of inspiring, really, than men's football is, even despite all the wonderful things that have been happening uh, at Wrexham this season in the men's team. I think it's just great that there's a Wrexham team to support on Saturday and a Wrexham team to support on Sunday as well. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like my, my missus, not, not because she's been missus, but because she's not that into football, like just doesn't want me to get into the women's game just because she'll never see me on the weekend. So I've got to be, I've got to be careful, pick and choose. <laughs> well, I've spun it the other way around because uh, my wife has been to the last few uh, women's games as well and is really into it. Invites her friends to come with her as well. It's a different sort of atmosphere in some ways and a different crowd in some ways as well. And, uh, you know, you were saying about working with the Adran Premier as well as with the, you know, I was going to say National League then, old habits, habits die hard. Um, with the football league, but I, I you know, I mean, I, from my stupid outside view, sort of feels like maybe the Adrian Premier is going to be an easier body to work with, perhaps that the crowds there are automatically going to be a bit more sensible, reasonable. Yeah, yeah, I feel like there's more of a football and um, a family feel at mm. the women's games as well. So, obviously, you've got your Saturdays where you've got your big crowds, the police escorts, and everything like that which we all actually know and love about football. But then on the Saturday, the Sunday, you've got a football fix again, but it's completely different. So it's all chilled and it's really quiet and a lot of families around and a lot more kids around and stuff like that. So it is a completely different experience, but still really, really enjoyable both ways. It's uh, it's the easiest way to get a Wrexham ticket at the moment, isn't it? Although I, I can imagine... the. <laughs> The, the way they're playing, you know, if, if we beat Cardiff at the weekend, it might be uh, one of those where it'll start being hard to get tickets for the women's games as well, which which would be great, which would be a, a good headache to have, wouldn't it? Um, it's interesting you say about the, the family. So we, we went to the race course game and uh, took, took my brother's two little lads. And it was just quite nice to be able to say to them, we're going to watch Wrexham and not say we're going to watch the Wrexham women's. It's just we're just going to watch Wrexham and yeah. they're going to grow up and it's like, we're going to watch Wrexham on Saturday and then we're going to go watch Wrexham on Sunday. And then, you, you know, and just sort of it be like that. And, and on the flip side, my, my nan, who's nearly 80, uh, she's really into a football, but she's very like, oh, I'm not interested in watching the women's game. It's kind of nice to bring her along and actually change her mind a little bit. Yeah. Have, have you found anybody like sort of older generation getting in, in touch or involved or is it more the younger generation you find? I do find it's more of the younger generation because they're promoting it in schools and stuff like that more yeah. rather than the older generation. So, you know, maybe, maybe there's something there. Maybe there's maybe there's loads of people, you know, like in their in their 70s and 80s who were dying to play football when they were younger, but just just couldn't just couldn't get involved for whatever reason. Um 
So it, have you got any plans moving forward? Is there something that, that you'd like to promote or anything that's coming up in particular? So with the announcement being quite imminent, we are only just getting started. So it's just opening our social media pages. We want to get some flags and some uh, badges made with the Her Game 2 logo and the Wrexham logo. Um, so it's just little things like that. But one thing that I am really going to push for is a cocktail tap at the race course. So I don't drink beer. I don't like beer. I've tried everything, every ground, and I just can't like it. I can't even force myself to like it. So I just think... I've seen it. We went to Spennymore in pre-season a couple of years ago and um, they just had a couple of cocktail taps. So I was literally watching Wrexham and Spennymore on the sideline with a porn star martini. And I think it's the best day ever. <laughs> 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 so, just little things like that, just a little bit more of a choice. I know obviously you get your cider as well, but I'm really fussy. So I think cocktails would be even for both men and women, to be honest. Yeah, to be fair, that could be lethal. There's a few of my mates who, who go to the game who might not be seeing much of half-time if there was cocktails <laughs> at, the, at the bar. But... <laughs> if, if only we had a, an owner who, you know, owns, say, a, a gin company who'd be able to push this a bit, you know? <laughs> that sounds yeah, like... Wife, whose wife owns a mi mixer company as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Come on, <laughs> perfect synergy here. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, you'll, you'll fit. You'll fit in well, here, Nicola. Puns uh, <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll we'll start with you, Chelsea. How did you get into football? Then, what was it that that started your your journey towards this? So, well, I first started watching football, which is might be completely different to everybody else, but uh, was just watching my brother when he played for you know like the under fourteens or whatever, just literally on the side of the pitch in the freezing cold. And then tried to start liking it on telly, hated it. I just couldn't concentrate. Um, and then one of my friend's cousins actually played for Wrexham. And we walked past one Saturday and you could just hear the crowd. And we're like, oh, should we go in? This was at the time where you could literally pay on the gate like £5 for an under 11. So we literally just walked in and I just haven't stopped going since. So that's where my actual football journey began. And then um, I started with Her Game 2 Cymru in the summer. Um, just started doing little bits, like I said before, about Brickfields and stuff like that. But believe it or not, when I first started watching Wrexham, I was quite quiet, really reserved. I would never give my opinion on football, on Wrexham or anything. I wouldn't even tell anyone I was a Wrexham fan because of what Nick was talking about earlier, that sexism and, you know, or oh, you only support them for male attention or stuff like that. Because um, I started supporting them in about 2012, so it wasn't the best season for Wrexham. So a lot of people were questioning my intentions and just putting it down to male attention. So that is where a big part of this has come. You know, obviously what I stand for is something that I've been through myself. Yeah, it's it just saddens me to hear that because, it, you know, why, why should anybody have to justify their, their Wrexham fan? doesn't matter what your gender is, sexual orientation, race, nationality these days. You know, nobody has to justify it. If you like something... You, who cares? It's just weird, weird one, isn't it? How about you, Nicola? How did you uh, start following Wrexham? So it was early 90s um, with my dad and my brother. We started going kind of on and off. We'd be going shopping on Saturday morning. And Dad would be like, oh, Wrexham are at home. Shall we go? And, you know, we'd, and it wasn't in the old days, like Chelsea was saying, like, you just pay your cash at the turnstile and just go and get a seat mm -hmm. and whatever. And then eventually we got a season ticket. And then, yeah. Rest is history. We sat in the same seat for twenty odd years, 
um, you know, grew up. There's there's lads that sit around us that are 16, 17, and we've been sat with them since they were like, you know, three or four. And then, um, so I actually met Chelsea and Rupert, who's the lead for us for her game to Cymru at the women's game um, at the race course in kind of end of last season. So I was like, I just went up and said hello. Kind of knew about her game too already. And then had a quick chat and then did my form and said I was interested. And then we did, we're both Cymru ambassadors and then obviously the Wrexham thing has come about. So yeah, really excited to to get going on it because, you know, we love the club and we love going to watch the football and we want the same people to have that same journey as us and to feel really included and kind of from when they they were our ages up to, you know, our age now when you're kind of older and a bit more probably maybe a bit more confident in our kind of opinions. It's um it's 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 good stuff. Uh <laughs> I think you know is would you say to you know anyone wanting to come to a direction game, would you would you say that you know you these sort of negative attitudes are people brave enough to express them to your face or are they is it more the the sense of the the, the sort of muttering put down or do you know what I mean what 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 is somebody who's not been to the race course and feels nervous about it what do you think they'd experience now do you know what i haven't experienced it in a couple of years which is really good i think since returning after the covid season i don't think i've actually experienced it personally myself in person at the grounds obviously on twitter and social media is completely different um i think i had on twitter a couple of months ago go back to watching love island and i was like i can do both <laughs> but, um, <laughs> there's enough time um but yeah in person obviously you don't really get it anymore and i think a lot more people uh, both men and women are starting to call it out so um, we had a linesman a couple of games ago that was a woman and she did get a few decisions wrong, I am going to admit, but we ha- we've had Paul Marsden, <laughs> you know. And there were some men behind me and um, they were saying, oh, she was too busy painting her nails to make that decision. And I thought, right, I'll let it slide this one time. And then he said it again and again and again. It was almost as if he was trying to, get people to laugh at him or I don't know we just kept trying that same comment and I I did have to turn around in the end and just say you know she's a linesman we're all they're all the same no matter where they've come from what gender they are if they make a mistake that's not down to their gender it's down to their either their ability or having an off day or just like everybody makes a mistake I just don't get why he was putting it down to her painting her nails so you know, I don't think it's actually aimed at the fans as much anymore because I don't think that people are, people are brave enough anymore. We live in a society now, people might say we're too woke, but um, I think a lot of things are called out these days, which is really good. Absolutely. Um, I, I remember that game as well. I I have the sort of privilege of getting the footage afterwards. So before I do like a podcast, I'll have a look, look, look back at certain is- incidents uh, gives you a different perspective, and I must be honest, I felt at the time she was much better than the other lines. The lines were on the other side, yeah. and watching the videos really bore that out. Um, you know, some grief people get is just from bias more than anything else, as well, isn't it? But I thought she was good to be honest with you. But that guy is just laboring under the mistaken uh understanding that he's funny and he isn't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, isn't it? 
Ah, is it then? The, so um, what? Go on, go on, what do you think your biggest challenge is going forward then? What's like, what do we need to, I mean, obviously that's something to tackle, but I think you can sort of, if you treat it the same way things like racism and prejudice are treated, it will get stamped out pretty quickly because at the end of the day, Wrexham's the hardest ticket in the country to get at the moment. So you, you threaten someone with their season ticket. It, it's not right in that, that they will only be quiet because of that reason, but at least it stops them putting impressions on younger people. What, what do you think going forward after that is the, the biggest challenge you face? I think mainly what I've noticed is the chanting is might be the main thing. So obviously fans, we all have some banter. That's what football is. But I think it's getting to that stage where you draw a line between banter and the chanting. So a lot of chanting has been called out recently. I know uh, Chelsea games about um, and Brighton games with um, sexual orientation and stuff like that. So I think if, like you say, if we treat it like racism and, and other things, I think that that's our biggest challenge is to be able to get people to view it as bad as as racism and, and stuff like that, because we want to be inclusive to everybody at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it's when people put it down to banter. Like, I remember um, a female physio getting, I think the club ended up sending her flowers and apologising to her after the game because it was that bad. And I've seen it on Twitter and people going, oh, it's just banter, it's this, this, this and that. And like, it's not banter when it's like 200 people mm. chanting at one person and that person hasn't got a right, hasn't isn't given anything back. Mm. That banter is back and forth. Yeah. It's not loads of people chanting about a woman's body parts mm. kind of thing. You know, and she's literally doing her job. That's all she's doing. That's, you know, she's just trying to do her job. And, you know, it was, it was quite upsetting when it happened. And as you know, Chelsea said, it's just accepting that those kind of chants are the same as the racism and, you know, homophobia and that kind of thing. It's not it's not banter, is it? It's, you know, it's abuse. Yeah. No, and, and, and I think, you know, the fact that you've stood up to people, Chelsea, you know, and, and you probably have had to as well, Nicola, that... It, it, it also takes us as well, men who are in the ground, to also turn around and say, shut your mouth in no uncertain terms, because if they're already of that mindset, they're probably not going to listen to a woman anyway. No no offence, it's just that that's how that's how they think, isn't it, you know, people like that. So they need us to, to turn around and, and say, actually, you're not right to say that. That's That's something you've got to stop. Yeah, exactly. If you're a good fan of Wrexham or just a good person, then there are certain lines that you need to draw. And like I said, over all sorts of abuse, it's it's your duty as a decent member of society, never mind anything else, to turn around and say, no, that's not acceptable. You're dead right, Bill. You're absolutely right. I hate saying that, Bill, because, you know, I don't like it when you're right. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, uh, uh, you know, on, on the positive spin, it, it's amazing to to see you do things like this and all credit to the pair of you giving, giving up your free time. Did you say it was non-profit charity? So that's, you know, not just yourselves, but the people who run, run it as a charity. Fair play because, I, you know, I've done a little bit of charity work, really small amount, and I know how much giving your own time to do stuff can, can have an impact on your life. So fair play is, you know, is really impressive. Um. The women that run it, so the, the ladies that started it are just absolute powerhouses. What they've put together, um, 
And, you know, I, I can't remember how many clubs have partnered with Chelsea might be able to remind me. But, you know, the aim is for the 92, at least the, the 92 kind of league teams. Plus, you know, they're partnered with so countless grassroots university teams, school teams. Um, as I said, the Adran and the Cymru Premier, you know, so what they started is incredible. And what they've kind of, and even from a very personal point of view, that we've got a WhatsApp where we just, chat back and forth about football opinions and you you know you're chatting to fans of everywhere around so we've got a Bradford fan in there so we've been chit-chatting about Mark Hughes going and you're kind of getting the kind of lowdown about what the fans are feeling and and that kind of thing so just as a community purely her game too it's what they've created is amazing. Yeah I think we're on 72 out of the 92 now so we're getting really really close. And they only formed in 2021, so we're getting oh, there. Fair play. Brilliant progress, that isn't it? I just like, I was just thinking then, I just like the idea I said before about role models, and role models can be both someone to aspire to be like and just somebody who shows people who might be prejudiced actually they're wrong and makes them slowly realise that. And I just think we're blessed at this football club because, as I said, we've got role models yeah. like uh, Gemma Rowan, Gemma Bamford's, you know that the Rosie Hughes, all the the, the women's team, uh, and yeah. yourselves as well, and I think that that is also fantastic because it's just just showing not like I said not only to young girls that look at this, this is what you can do, but also maybe showing to people who are carelessly and stupidly sexist. Well, actually, what would this club be like if we were through all those people? Yeah, be massively, massively diminished. Uh, Fleur Robinson as well. Beg your pardon. Yeah. Uh, and Julia, who is tremendous behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, it's it's just people need to just, well, see that and, and open their eyes, smell the coffee, see the real world, you know. Chelsea said before, like, we're not going away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the are, you know, countless about what they've con contributed. So people maybe just, some people open their eyes and look. At what pe what women have contributed to football, then they might have a different different yeah. kind of thought. Exactly. It seems to me that it's your it's it's the good work of people like yourselves that will ultimately make the difference. And so, thank you so much for what you do. I think it's brilliant. You're welcome. <laughs> so, you talk about some real football, Bill. Yeah, after this, <laughs> we <laughs> we will be actual, talking about some actual uh, tragedy on the yes. pitch rather than all this nice <laughs> positive thinking off it. <laughs> Absolutely. So after this, we're going to be talking about the crew. Was it Penny Bond? Oh, I'm showing myself up. Wrexham. No, we beat we beat Barry. Barry was it Penny Bond last week? Sorry, sorry, I knew the result. Yeah, crew. This this yeah. is a great look, isn't it, for for a her game two podcast for me to come on and not remember the women's result. I'll uh, I'll, I'll blame the the call. Uh, <laughs> And the, uh, the Albin, sexist team. Bill Long and his <laughs> incredibly sexist. Uh, <laughs> great stuff. Uh, <laughs> that was smooth, wasn't it? We'll wrap that up. Yeah, yeah, really smooth. I'm Mia Roberts, and this is Dragon. Well, we've we've got a couple of well, three cracking games to talk about. Um, we'll start with the the Wrexham versus Crew. 3-3. Three, three. Nicola, what was your impressions of the match? Um, it felt like a win, I think, at the end of it. I think we didn't start as maybe quite a few games so far. We've not we started quite slow. Um, sending off 
kind of felt like maybe that was the beginning of the end. But I do think a lot of the time with uh, teams, sometimes up their game when they've got 10 men and they'll, they're will they a bit more organised, they're up, up for it a bit more. And I think, you know, more than getting that goal back and whatever, I think, you know, they were up for it then. Didn't, didn't have the highest hopes. Um, obviously, the weather was horrible and awful conditions and, you know, Barney getting sent off and you're feeling very aggrieved that maybe it was a bit hard done by at the time. You know, you're not 100% when you've seen it kind of once in real time. But yeah, 90 minutes, it felt like a, a win. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the the crowd reaction in the, um, what's it called now? The Stoke Cold Brew Coffee. That's like the Stoke Cold <laughs> Brew Coffee stand. <laughs> it, it was quite funny at the end of the game when when people were trying to get Paul Mullin to do his, his end of match thing and you could tell he was like, no, we haven't won, but the fans felt like they <laughs> like they <Yeah>. won. <laughs> Um, brilliant atmosphere at the end, wasn't it? Really terrific. And I think I, I I felt like I was concerned the first 20 minutes. I just thought we're going to react to getting battered to Stockport. We're going to come at them. And we really didn't. It felt a lot like Stockport in a lot of ways. And I sort of felt a little concerned. And yet by the end of it, let's be honest, we refound our resilience. We, we've been so good at bouncing back the last couple of years and coming back from behind and fighting against adversity. And at Stockport, we just couldn't. It was like we had to go to the well one time too many, and we just couldn't pull ourselves back up into the game. But then, my goodness me, Saturday, <laughs> you know, 10 men for an hour, uh, fighting back three equalisers, I mean, all with 10 men. That, and I, I know I've said this stat before, but in all our history, we've only once scored three goals with 10 men. And that was when the very first red card ever given to a Wrexham player in 1912. I mean, wow. that that's quite something, isn't it? But that <laughs> fight that they showed, and frankly, I'm talking to Andrew Morell afterwards, and he was said what I thought, if that had been another five minutes, crew had collapsed by the end, didn't they? They yeah. were just trapped in their box. The moment we equalised, we get the ball straight back from the kickoff, and we're looking for the winner. And mm. Andrew Morell said, and I 100% agree, another five minutes, we'd have won that. Because they were they were gone, but they were playing against ten men, and we'd run them off their legs. So it was superb. Yeah, uh, that's it. Match covered there, I think, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea, was there any standout players on the day for you? Crew. For, for us, sorry. I, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um... Um, Oli Palmer, I think recently, even his chest down that he started to do the past couple of games, um, you don't really see that if you watch on the stream or like behind the scenes. A lot of people don't really pick up on stuff like that. And the, the amount of headers he won that game, I think for for me, it was was Palmer, as it was on um, on Tuesday was with Mansfield as well. Uh, but like Mark said, I think we could have smashed and grabbed it if we just had that little little bit more time. Yeah, it was it was an unusually normal amount of uh, added time, wasn't it? Was it six yeah. minutes? Like it's usually seven or eight these days, but uh, I was expecting yeah. so so four minutes. I was expecting more in the first half as well. I was like four minutes. Yeah. Surely was like six. <laughs> yeah, after after a red card and a penalty, and a couple of players went down at one point, didn't they as well? So like, yeah, it was a long it's... stoppage, wasn't it? When, uh, when Barnett got the red card because Tracy got treatment. For a long time. Yeah, yeah. Before yeah. seemed minimal. But I was saying in the commentary, because he was warning the crew players about time wasting. He was rather than booking them, he was he's warning them. 
And you think, well, okay, well, you better add all this on. And I, I felt said in the commentary, it's got minimum 10 minutes. It's got yeah. to be. And to give six was astounding. If you put the 10 on, we'd have won that. I'm really sure we would have done. It, it's a funny one because I don't know what how you lot felt, but I felt like every time we fouled someone, we got a yellow card. And every time they fouled someone, it was like, oh, naughty, naughty, don't do it again, <laughs> you know. It does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was a a strange game, but like ultimately a good result, but just weird. We showed great heart, didn't we? It was wonderful. And quality. I don't want to reduce it to heart. I mean, Chelsea are quite right about Palmer. And that chest touchdown for Mullen to score his second. If Harry Kane did that, people would be they'd all be having kittens on Sky Sports, wouldn't they? And match of the day, they'll be, oh, look at England's captain. Look what he did. What a perfection to. To get the weight right on that touch was not supposed to be able to do that in in League Two. Most players in the Premier League can't. It was a beautiful piece of skill, wonderful, wasn't it? It's yeah. it's like like you said though, Chelsea. Like it's just, it's a shame that the the highlights don't really capture a lot of what he does. But that the highlight for that goal, you can't really see him chest it down, can you? I don't know if you've watched it back, but in in person, it was it was superb, brilliant. Uh, I think people miss a lot of what Ollie does, especially on the street. Yeah. Not yeah. seeing it, seeing him mm. taking the attention off Mullen. You know, he's yeah. taking that black because they've got because he's so big. He's got like two players on him, and Mullen's free yeah. to to do um, bicycle kicks. So, yes, yeah. Yeah. And, and we also see. I, th- I think you're dead right. It, it reminds me, and it's a weird combination to compare it to. But you know, in look, I know it's it's before your times, but Watkin and Bennett in the nineties. Be- developed like that. Watkin wasn't a big target man. He's about 5'10", but he was superb at holding the ball up with his back to goal and so strong and, you know, backing into people. And he took so much strain off Bennett. And he'd mm-hmm. hold her up, he'd attract people to him, and then he was good enough to find Bennett. And if you give Bennett a bit of space, he's liable to score. And, and it's a bit like that, isn't it? You know, Palmer is such a handful. that defences are so busy battling him. It can only create space for Mullen, and Mullen's sharp at his movements as well. But yeah, I, I think Palmer, and also at at other at the opponent's set of pieces, Palmer's an important part of our defensive setup. Number of corners he wins, that heads clear. No, it's it's good to see him play like this after last season when he was a bit up and down, wasn't he? Yeah, well, let's go from from one six goal thriller to another. Um, Bar- Barrytown United, ladies, I will get that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Wrexham FC women, no, Wrexham Rex FC 5. Uh, Rosie Hughes, she's absolutely magic, isn't she? <laughs> ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> well, Rob, you... Rob McElhenney's right, isn't he, in, in saying that she is the great goal scorer at the club. I mean, amazingly, her goal scoring figures dwarf those of Paul Mullen, who is by most measures, the the second best or second most prolific striker the Wrexham men seems ever had. But she's off the scale, isn't she? It's ludicrous. It's Goals. brilliant. But... <laughs> <laughs> and it's... She... Go on, sorry. I was going to say, she's she's an absolute menace when she's playing as well. She won't give up. When she wants... You know, we saw it in the documentary when they, they were playing... Um, the kind of chaos I didn't know when they... She just won't give up. She'll get the ball and she's going to score. I think it was the game at the race course. They showed her one of her goals and she just wasn't giving up getting that ball. And yeah, she, she is an absolute menace. It's it's almost unfortunate that Paul Mullin is doing as well as he is 
for Rosie Hughes's profile, but and I think it's people will always naturally compare them, but they do have quite a similar playing style, don't they? They're both yeah. in your face. They're both yeah. absolutely ruthless in front of goal. I mean, but as, as important as Mullen is to the men's, I, I think Rosie Hughes is more important, isn't she? And especially as we play essentially the women's team with a, a sole striker, so some more of a 4-2-3-1, isn't it? So there's more onus on her perhaps to be scoring. But, uh, yeah, the similarities, the movements, the pace, uh, the work rate, because they will both come back and, and fight. They don't like losing. Just lots of the positive elements you want in a striker. I, When I was a kid, <laughs> this is going to be something stupid, I'd get nervous if one of our players was one-on-one with a keeper. I'm like, oh, no, what if they miss, you know? And it's quite nice. <laughs> I've now come full circle to when Rosie uses one-on-one, it's like... Goal this, you know, yes. startled everything. And that one you mentioned that the one the race course. I mean, I remember commentating on that, and I thought that was, you know, sometimes when you watch something highlights afterwards, it takes the drama away from it. That was one of the most exciting goals I ever commentated on because it was just from one end to the other. You've got um Whitefoot with the big uh tackle just getting there to help her onto her, and then Rosie Hughes. I mean, it's so rare that you feel this, but I think I was commentating. I think it made me sound better than I was because I was excited when she got the ball and she had a defender to beat. Because at that point, I thought, this is a goal. I just had no doubt she was going to burst past the defender. I had no doubt she was going to finish the one-on-one. And that's a lovely feeling to have, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's there's something special about... The, the women's team all being from North Wales as well, isn't it? But you're basically all from North Wales because it just adds that, you know, I love Jordan Davis and, and Bickerstaff, Bickerstaff and Clue have come through the, the youth setup, but for an entire team to be so relatable is uh, it's inspiring, isn't it? Um, but you, you said you both were both at the Swansea game. Actually, you were on S4C, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. How, how was that atmosphere like then? Was it... I, I, I'm going to put this like Swansea are a household name across the UK, aren't they? And they're in the top division in, in you know, in women's football. That was a big occasion for us, wasn't it? It was. I think the atmosphere at first, it was nervy. You could tell everyone's there thinking, how is this game going to go? And then as we got into it, I think the first 10 minutes, you could tell we were a little bit nervy. Then we started to find our feet get really comfortable. And, and I think we thought, no, we're in this league for a reason. And then as we started building our confidence, getting into it, that's when the atmosphere followed as well. Um, it was a really good atmosphere until obviously that horrific injury that that happened to one mm. of the Swansea players. It brought it down a little bit because from where myself and Nick were standing, you could hear her go, go into the photographer and into the side. So it was just horrible waiting for her to, you know, give us the OK that that she was fine. But um, and then again, after that, that second half, it was just a real nail biter. But it was so entertaining to watch. Yeah, it seemed like it's towards the last like sort of five ten minutes. It seemed like a goal every couple of seconds, didn't it? At one point, <laughs> I felt it was really interesting because you're dead right, Chelsea. It, it, there was that sort of tense feeling, and I think it wasn't helped by the fact that Swansea are good at holding on to the ball, um, and so we had long spells where we're having to just sit deep and survive basically. But we did it well, and then 
we started exploiting that pace we've got up front. So I don't think we would look to keep the ball as much as Swansea do. But the pace up front with Hughes, with Lightfoot, with Pritchard and the movement uh, and the ability of the the rest of the team to recognise that when we get the ball, let's get it forwards quickly. Let's get down those channels, use their pace. And you suddenly you're sitting at one of those wonderful games where you feel one side looks in control, but the other side looks much more likely to score goals. Because we just kept t- every time we tore at them, you thought well, this is a real opportunity, and I'm, I, I thought it, it was it was terrific entertainment. I think we'll get the same on Sunday because then yeah. Cardiff will come with the same attitude. But we have got that sort of devastating pace on the break. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to say, and this may be an odd thing to say, but it, it, despite the fact that we did so brilliantly against such a, a strong, strong team, in a lot of ways, I think that the two subsequent games mean more. Because that's two games against Pontypridd and, and Barry, um, who are established teams at this level, and yet we've gone there and we've smashed them both times. And to me, that says no, we're not going to just you know let's make sure we're away from relegation. We are there to make a difference now. Whether we can at this point really challenge Cardiff and Swansea over the course of a season, I don't know. Um, that would be a big ask, but we certainly look like. We're going to give it a try rather than have to worry and look over our shoulders at the, the bottom half and the relegation uh, playoff zone because we're battering the teams that are established in there. I, I'm maybe slightly more optimistic than you, Mark. I'm, I'm going to give you a hot take prediction now. Back to back title wins for the men's and the women's. Oh. Oh, this is recorded, right? It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no escape from that one. <laughs> there isn't because I'm going to try and smoothly segue into the Mansfield game which I think Chelsea you were there so you can give us a bit of a better rundown but I felt like from my delirious cold filled head that was actually and I will make the case for this a title winning performance yeah the first 45 I think a lot of people all around the ground and on social media and stuff were really criticising us and I just thought when you've come back from obviously we've got crew in the middle of that but when you've literally been our last away game, you've been, you've had five goals scored against you. You need to tighten up. You can't just go to every away ground expecting us to run and attack from the off. It's just not going to happen. Um, so that first 45 minutes, I thought it was pivotal really to show that we can keep it tight. We can control um, the game and and keep a clean sheet effectively. Um, but then I think as well, we were, I was going into halftime personally thinking, they're not going to do this for 90 minutes. There's no way. They're running out of ideas. Um, so when we come into that second half, it was a really good second half. I think both teams were unlucky not to score, to be honest. Mm. Um, so I thought it was a really good point away from home um, and really good performance. I feel like we've got our confidence up away from home, ready to go into Crawley on Saturday. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I, the first half wasn't pretty, but you're dead right. They pressed us so hard. You think... Have you got the legs to do that for 90? And in the seconds, we were getting closer to them because they weren't, didn't have as much zip about them. And we had space then to play. And I I mean, a lot of people said, oh, Mansfield are the better side, but we did okay. I thought they were the better in the first half. And I thought we were by far the better in the second half. Yeah. Apart from Keeler Dunn's header early on, did they really make proper chances? I know they hit the post twice, but one of them was outside the box and the other one's just inside the box. I... I and they're very good, and I agree. I, I think that that's the sort of performance and result that really sets you up. I thought it was excellent. I think it's the we're 
almost still running on a bit of a high from last season where we're expecting to go to teams and just mm. put a few goals every single one and you know we're still sussing league two out we're still kind of getting you know we've been away for a long time you know and it's a big you know it's a big step up and you know it, it would be a great at the end of the season that will be a great point you know because Mansfield will be up there as well so I think in terms of you know we're not going to go to every ground and score three goals and set the world on fire you know it's not it's going to be very different and you know, maybe people bring their expectations down just a little bit, you know. Yeah. As Bill said, we're still going to win the league. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Well, the, the, the stats back it up, though. I was reading uh, The Athletic earlier. Uh, Leighton Orient last season um, drew, was it 12 or 13, and lost seven games, and they still came first. It, you know, we, we've got plenty of time. And I think if you're going to win more than you draw, you can afford a few more losses as well, if that makes sense. So mm. we, we're once it clicks with this team and maybe with one or two additions if, if needs be in the, in a at Christmas I I just think we're just going to teams are going to run out of steam against us you know like you're saying they just they, like you know after 45 minutes they've run out of ideas and they haven't got the energy to execute what they were executing well you know later on so and that's only going to get harder for teams as the season gets on if we keep our fitness up we've got a lot of depth so we can rotate you know, you can you can take McLean off, and you've got Mendy on the bench, and then he goes and gets that assist for Ali Palmer in the crew game. It's it's uh, not not Ali Palmer, sorry, Stephen Fletcher. So yeah, the, this is this is I, I'm I'm calling it now, and I, I think as well with the the women's after this last episode of the documentary that's gone out, the the chairman are going to want to put as much money as possible into winning the league again this year for the women. I think as well. What did you make of that episode? Have you have you both seen it? I yeah. Loved it. Uh, yeah, I did. I think it was my favourite one so far, just purely because they haven't really been football related, have they? I know, obviously, the documentary's got a different target audience to reach, but I liked the first season where it was really football orientated. So I think yesterday, where you see a lot of the football and a lot of the players' um, stories behind it, it was my favourite episode so far. Yeah, I think they did it brilliantly to kind of show the back, you know, and they, these these women's team, they they work, they've got jobs, you know, mm. Rosie works in a prison, it's not an easy job. And then she goes and scores like five goals, just, you know, at the weekend kind of thing. So I think they did it incredibly well. And I think with the um, the owners to kind of saying, they're not putting money into the women's team for a, a box stick and exercise, or they see it as a real opportunity, mm. Mm. Um, you know, commercial opportunity. They really see it as, you know that and you know suppose coming from america they see women's football being bigger they know what it could be um yeah. so it's here from them that they're not just like oh they've got women's team we'll put money in it it's like no we believe in the team i think that's why it was so special last season when we had two promotion buses like mm. when has anyone ever had two promotion mm. buses following <laughs> each other that's just it's crazy but it was so good to see yeah <laughs> The only times I can sort of think of it was when, you know, in the in the two early two thousands when Arsenal women's were like the best team in England, weren't they? And Arsenal were winning at the same time. But like look look at that though. That they, they both those teams sort of fed off each other and there's absolutely no reason why our teams can't feed off each other as well, I think. And uh what what a great problem to have where you, you choose between Rosie Hughes and Paul Mullen. Like it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that we've there's been much worse times to be Wrexham fans, isn't there? <laughs> Yeah, I remember the uh, the bus convoy through town to celebrate. Open top bus convoy, 
1972, when I won <laughs> the gold medal in the Munich Olympics gymnastics. I was, Chip Bill, as you know, the Romanian <laughs> butterfly, the nation's darling. <laughs> yeah, all right, maybe not. There's, there's going to be about two kids from my old form that are going to really enjoy that, and then that's about it, Mark. <laughs> Bill, Bill they, they, they still come up to me and ask, can they see the yeah. butterfly? Yeah. This morning they did, seriously. Tell you what, I've, I've damaged uh, some minds there. There's a good group. Um, yeah, do you know what though? I, I I think you're right. I think it's the it's definitely been my favorite episode of this the season so far. Uh, I saw the the that and the the Millie one was was really good. Although it was kind of a strange experience for me watching that, just because Millie's an older uh, pupil of mine, so I sort of knew some of it already. It took a bit of the surprise out of it, but shout out Millie if you're watching. Um, <laughs> I just want to say thank yeah. you for you know skipping over the episode in the middle of that meet that had me in it a lot. Thanks. Oh, that's charming. You know. That is. You see what? What's the lot of your head doesn't need to be any bigger anyway, mate. Yeah, <laughs> he turns up here for video viewers looking like Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars. I don't know what's going on. Lighting issues there, mate. <laughs> and he's and and he and he ignores my work. What can I say? <laughs> right. Well, I think on that note, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll call the show a day there. Um, Nicola and Chelsea, where can we find you on social media and where is the place to go for more information about Her Two Cymru? So we have um, a website, Her Game Two Cymru, or if you just Google Her Game Two, it'll all come up. We are in the process of um, making an Instagram, Twitter and Facebook account for the Her Game Two Wrexham one. We're just dealing with all the behind the scenes stuff for that. So that'll be up and running shortly. But if you just find us both on Twitter, we'll be happy to, to direct you from there. We'll put your names in the descriptions as well of the podcast as well, if people want to follow you. So brilliant. It's, it's been a pleasure, hasn't it? I've enjoyed yeah, great stuff. Thank you very much uh, for I coming on. Um, I apologise for my swollen, cold head. I am going to go for a lie down right now. <laughs> it's the, the lighting's on purpose. It's because I'm green, really. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we've been Bill Long, Mark Griffiths, Nicola Hughes and Chelsea, whose surname isn't on there, so <laughs> sorry, so I can't read it out. <laughs> um, follow us on all the, the socials. Follow us on, on YouTube. I'm going to go take some painkillers. Adios. Adios, muchachos. <laughs>